I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we're unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. When today's guest was just eight years old, he dreamed of becoming an Olympic swimmer and breaking world records. 13 years later, at the 2016 Summer Olympics, his lifelong dream came true. In Rio, Ryan Murphy not only became an Olympian, but he crushed his Olympic goals by winning three gold medals in the 100-meter backstroke, in the 200-meter backstroke, and the 4x100-meter relay. He set a new world record in the process. Of the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo, he did it again by winning gold in the 4x100-meter relay. Then he went on to win silver in the 200-meter backstroke and a bronze in the 100-meter backstroke. Ryan comes from a family of swimmers. His sister Shannon and brother Patrick were both competitive swimmers growing up. And naturally, as most younger siblings do, Ryan followed suit. And he emerged from follower to leader quickly, speeding past his siblings and countless competitors. Ryan's work ethic is unparalleled. He's known for being driven, focused, and goal-oriented. And you will definitely pick up on those characteristics as he shares his story. During our conversation, we cover it all from how he built confidence and readied his focus going into his biggest competitions to the nervous reality of the ready rooms right before the competition. Ryan shares how he handled the pressure of keeping the longest USA backstroke streak alive, what it was like to be part of Michael Phelps' final Olympic race, how he dealt with the extra year before Tokyo, and his journey toward his third Olympic Games in Paris this summer. Pursuit Peeps, it's February which is when more than 80% of people quit on their New Year's resolutions. But for us athletes who are always setting new goals and pushing our limits, right now is the perfect time to start evaluating your skill set and figuring out how you can grow and become an even better athlete in 2024. If you've been wanting to start harnessing your mental game, but you're not sure where to start, I have the perfect gift for you. I created a free guide with the top 10 mental skills that every athlete should have. And it's not just a list of the skills, but it's also a guide and self-assessment to help kickstart your journey to confidence. Go grab your free copy over at laurawilkinson.com slash skills. That's laurawilkinson.com slash skills. Before we get started, I am always asking you guys to subscribe and follow to give us a five-star review. And we do really want that. That is really, really helpful for us. But the best thing you can do to help us grow, and we need to grow in order to keep this podcast going, we need your help to do that. Personally recommend us to your friends, to your coaches, to your athletes, a personal recommendation from somebody that you know, like, and trust goes so far. So we ask that you share your favorite episodes of The Pursuit of Gold with your friends and help us grow to that next level so that we can continue bringing amazing athletes, coaches, and experts on this show and bringing you more resources, tools, and inspiration. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode. Ryan Murphy, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I am really excited to hear and share your story today. Thanks, Laura. I'm pumped to be here. Well, okay. I have to ask. So you have been like a phenomenal swimmer from like ever. So did you start in the pool, like in diapers or how did your whole journey into swimming begin? (laughs) So I'm the youngest uh, of the youngest sibling. So I really was just chasing after my older brother and sister really in, in every sport. I do have great memories of being at the community pool growing up. 
I was a little kid running around with floaties on, wishing that I could go into the deep end, but I had to had to stay <laughs> in the kiddie pool for longer than I wanted to. But I, I've always just been a really competitive person. I, I was always just kind of chasing them, wanting to do everything they did. That's so fun. When did it kind of click for you? At what point were you like, okay, I just want to chase my siblings. Okay, now I actually have my own goals. At what point did that kind of change? I don't remember when that flip happened. So I'm guessing it was pretty early. I've always been very driven as well. I mean, but all like everyone in our in my family is. So yeah, so it's hard to, for me to say like exactly when that moment happened, but it had to have been early. Were your sights like set on Olympics early or just like being really good? I just wanted to be the best at everything. I was doing a bunch of a bunch of different sports. Like that's that's just kind of how we did things in in my family. It was it was sign up for everything, figure mm-hmm. out what you like, figure out what you're good at. And and for me that I definitely happen to be more athletically inclined than artistically inclined. So the artistic talents, those were quick no's for me. I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't love it. I, I wasn't good at it. But all of the sports I, I really enjoyed. I loved the competition of it. I love the team sports. I thought those were so fun. And at mm-hmm. some point you have to make a decision and focus in on one, but but I tried to hold on to all the other sports as long as I could. And so so when was it just swimming? Was that like high school? Yeah, so age 12. So right just between sixth and seventh grade. It was just kind of at the point where soccer was travel, baseball was travel, swimming was a good amount of travel, and then flag football was turning into to tackle football. So that felt like a big like pivot point mm-hmm. for a lot of sports. So it just kind of made sense to to narrow in on one. And you went to a high school with some other pretty amazing swimmers. Was that just kind of like the lucky draw? Or I mean, I'm I'm assuming the three of you together, you and Caleb and Joseph, like probably all pushed each other. I like kind of walk us through your school and what that experience was like. Cause that's not like the rest of our schools, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happened that happened to just be luck of the draw for Caleb and I that Bowles was in our backyard. It was in it was in the city that that we grew up in. And then I think both of us too, we were on other programs in the city for a long time. But if you have a team like Bowles right near you, like all roads are going to end up leading to that. Like they were pumping out incredible swimmers. You know, they had people going to the Olympics when they were in high school, Wow, had a really good tradition of success. And so for me, once I gave up the other sports, it was, I was one year where, where I kind of just kept on the same team, same trajectory. And I wanted to take it even a step further from there. So that's why I decided to go to the Bulls. Joseph schooling came the year after, and he went to Bulls at the recommendation of, of Michael Phelps's coach. Oh, wow. So the U.S. Olympic team had their staging camp in Singapore in 2008. The swim team did. So Joseph was, was living in Singapore. He was talking with the USA swimming staff. And Joseph wanted to take it to the next level. He wanted to make sure he was giving himself the best chance to, to improve. And, and Bob recommended that he looks at bowls. Bob mm-hmm. Bowman recommended that Joseph looks at bowls. And then Caleb ended up coming the year after. So we all kind of came like like one, two, three. Yeah, that was a cool time. Like when you're when you're that young, you don't realize like how special that is. But it, what an incredible time for us. So what was it like as you guys are obviously starting to have a lot of success in in high school and you're thinking about going off to college, like, were you close to making Olympic trials and stuff before you went to college or did that just come after college? So we had Olympic trials in 2012. That would have been when we were, when we were in high school, we all went, Joseph went to the Olympics in 2012. So he got, he got to go to the big show and, and have all those cool memories. But Caleb and I went to Olympic trials in 2012 and 
Yeah, that was a huge motivator for us. I think we had very different meets. Like Caleb ended up having his breakthrough like a month after Olympic trials. Like he really dropped a ton of time after Olympic trials. I had a really, I had an awesome Olympic trials. I got to compete in the in the final of the hundred back and the two hundred back, and being able to see like Matt Grievers and, and Nick Thoman make the team and and the hundred back was really cool to just have like basically a front row view, like two lanes over, watching them celebrate, and then in the two hundred back, like. Getting to swim next to a to a Ryan Mochte, uh, yeah. that that's something that was really special for me. So yeah, that was a huge motivator and, and definitely a, a launch pad to I think all three of our success. For sure. Like at that point, did you already know where you were going to college? Did that like how what was the college process for you like? I mean, did you have it narrowed down like like did you know one school or were there a couple of schools you were looking at? Like because a lot of our our athletes, you know, going from high school to college, that's a really big decision. So like, what were some of the mm-hmm. things you looked at? Were you like solely like because I am at this level in swimming, it needs to be all about swimming, or were there other factors? Yeah, I looked. I looked a lot of places. So I ended up taking five recruiting trips. At that time, everyone was committing during their senior year of high school. Olympic trials happened in between junior and senior year, uh, and actually, like the date that college coaches could start calling was July one. Olympic trials, (laughs) Olympic trials ended on like, I was done racing on July one. So it was like right after Olympic trials kind of thrown into that recruiting cycle. I'm much more of like a thinker than a feeler. It would be really hard for me to go to a campus and just be like looking around and like, you know what? I feel this, this is it for me. So I, I took all five and, Mm -hmm. and I was more of a, I made decisions off of more of like spreadsheets than like the feeling. So Cal was my first trip. And then I kind of just went on each one and it was like, all right, yeah, I still think Cal is probably my my favorite. And yeah, they held it in, in the pole position through all five trips. So everything was compared back to Cal from the beginning. <laughs> exactly. And I think I there's a level of, of you continue to figure out what you what you want as you go on these trips. Like you're mm-hmm. it's not like in every category, you know, Cal was one because I was just rating them one to five. Yeah. Like and where one was the best. It's not like Cal was like the best in, in every single category I was looking at, but I started adding categories to the spreadsheet as I went along because I because mm-hmm. I just started to notice a little bit more and understood the, just the different philosophies that there are to running a program and trying to improve. No, I think that's really smart. And I think so many people here are like, it'll be a gut feeling. And a lot of people do get a gut feeling, but sometimes you have to make the spreadsheets. You have to make the pros and cons list. You have to find out all the other things that are important. I think that's nice to hear from somebody at your level that like you did the spreadsheet and kept adding categories to it. Like it's just, it's real. It's an important decision, right? So you have to yeah. take it seriously. That's good. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, the, I wish I could be someone that that could just have the gut feeling and, and roll with it. My brain just doesn't work in that way. We got to understand great, great ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Great for the people that do. <laughs> Well, okay. So when I look at your results and stuff on paper, like I've got my little paper here with all your details and stuff. And it's just like, Ryan's winning. Ryan breaks a record. Ryan's winning. He's got NCAA titles. He's breaking all these records. Like everything on your college resume is just like so amazing. So was this just some super smooth ride for you? Like you had this knockout Olympic trials in 2012 and it just got great from there and there were no bumps along the way. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I wish. Like, I think the competitions went largely well in college. I mean, that's like the last part of the season. So, I mean, the whole season is there's just so much that goes on, I guess, like behind the curtains of of what we're going through, what we're preparing for, having a level of urgency every day. 
I felt like I, I really challenged myself throughout the year. I had really good teammates to, to help push me. And my coaches did a really good job of mixing up the practices enough to keep it exciting. I drew a lot of inspiration from the classroom too. So it, it was really just like so many confounding factors coming together, but so much hard work th- throughout the year. And, and luckily that turned out in, in good performances. So it's nice to hear it's not always just smooth, even though the results may look like smooth sailing. I think we're all real. We're all human. We all go through those bumps and challenges, right? But that makes you stronger. And you have, it sounded like a really good support system coach and teammates to like lean on. That's awesome. What would you say, like when you won your first NCAA title, was that kind of one of the biggest things you had done? Like, how did that feel? Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of atmosphere, NCAAs is, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Like the Olympics mm-hmm. are are incredible, but... Yeah, it's just different. You know, it's it's a smaller venue. So like you're like you're comparing a thousand people in, in a small venue versus like fifteen thousand in in a much larger venue. So the thousand actually gets it gets really loud. It's a team thing. So I'm competing for Cal alongside, you know, the guys that, that I live with, uh mm-hmm. the guys that I'm like going through all this, all this training together. So it's like you know your teammates so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you're seeing them in in so many different settings, like those are the people that like the grittiest level, like you're grinding with, like really getting after it in the school. You're figuring out how different how different people think, what they're interested in, and then socially, like you're you're hanging out with them too. So it, it's just cool. Like you're so happy that you can contribute to the overall mm-hmm. team success. I'd agree. And like for me, I was an individual sport, but in college we were part of the team. Divers were counted as part of the swim team. And so we were earning points. So there was a different vibe. And I I loved college for that too, because it was just a different atmosphere. Like it may be a smaller arena of people, but they're going crazy and they care, right? Like it's just a different environment, but it is super fun. Yeah, I love NCAAs for sure. It was always funny for us when the diving was going on because... Because we're all watching, like it, mm-hmm. like it's. Uh, I mean, it is like it's at the it's at a prime part of the meet. Everyone's like really, really excited, getting really into the team competition, and then we're just trying to decipher like, <laughs> like how these things are, like how these dives are being judged. Because yeah. the only thing that we could look at is the size of the splash. Right. So like there'd be times <laughs> where it's like it looks like someone did a pencil into the pool, and it's like <laughs> seven and a half, eight, seven and a half. It's like. What what happened? <laughs> so that's a very technical sport. It's really impressive be. to watch. Well, thank you. And maybe you should come judge and give us nines and tens when when that pencil is just perfect. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The single track minded judge. That would be me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We gotta have one of those at least on the panel. Well, so okay, you are like earning all these titles, like college is going smooth. Going into 2016 for real, like a lot of people use that. Okay, I'm going to date myself here. We didn't have Olympic waivers back in my day of college. So like I left my scholarship to go home and train. But now like people have that option of doing the Olympic waiver where they can like defer their competition a year and, and have that extra year of eligibility in college. But you didn't do that. To me, that sounds really hard doing an entire NCAA season, which can be really taxing and then trying to rest and peak again for like trials and Olympics. Like what was your thought behind continuing that year versus taking the waiver? It's as simple as I wanted to stay with the guys. I wanted to feel the team energy of the college team. And, and I think it helped me a lot. It made school a little bit more of a of like a chess game of, of trying to figure out how I could basically stack my class schedule mm-hmm. to have easier classes in the semester leading into the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So that was something that luckily, like Dave Gurdon was, was thinking about this, like 
you know, years in advance. So he was kind of helping me figure out, okay, like I would prefer for you to have an easier class load in the Olympic semester. How can you stack your prereqs to make that happen? And, and then I had to go talk to the people at the business school to make sure I was taking the, the minimum amount of business credits for that semester too. So I think that was probably the biggest challenge. And then in terms of the competition, like my focus was the Olympics in that year. And I was just really bought in on the idea that trying to get better in the Olympic course would ultimately help the short course yards performance that, that the NCAA is, is competed in. And that turned out to be the case. Like my, my best times in college were, were junior year. Wow. In that same time when I wasn't, yeah, when that wasn't necessarily like the, the mental focus. Isn't that interesting? So did you like still rest for NCAAs or like rest and taper and then like try to come down and then build back up? Like what was your periodization that year? If I can throw out a big word for our audience. <laughs> I didn't abbreviate rest. So like for someone like me and especially at that age, my taper would typically be three to four weeks. So three to four weeks of lighter practices, lighter intensity, uh, just to give the body time to adapt and perform. For, Did you still shave and everything? Yeah, yeah. So I, I ended up doing like a week and a half, a week and a half of chill. Yeah. And took the shave and yeah, it turned out well. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> a week and a half is what you need. So turned out nice. Well, so did did that make you rethink how to taper going into like trials and Olympics? No, because it's <laughs> for for like a week and a half rest, like that is like you're you're kind of just like you're tossing one up. You don't really know how it's gonna land. Okay. So both Dave and I felt just more comfortable going the full blown three mm -hmm. to four weeks. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. So going into 2016 trials then. So you've been through a trials, you kind of know, and I and I'm guessing here, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like was that a helpful experience for you going into 2016, like being able to be like, I know what I'm walking into, I know what I need to do? Or was it still kind of like, oh, crap, like my goals are on the line here? Like, how did you feel going into the trials? Well, I was definitely nervous. I was very nervous. And especially like the events that I was in, we had some really solid depth. So like in the 100 back, I mean, in the 100 back kind of like the way a lot of people were thinking is the 100 back, it could be any of three guys. And, and any of those three guys could probably compete for gold at the Olympics as well. Mm -hmm. So the hundred back I knew was going to be really competitive. And that was against Matt Grievers and David Plummer. You know, Grievers was coming off winning the gold in, in 2012. Plummer, Plummer was, I think he was 31. He had dropped a second in the hundred back that year. He was on a tear and just, yeah, he had a, a big fire to go do really well. With that being said, like, I felt like we had, we'd put a lot of work in, in terms of building my confidence going into that meet. So, so I really felt if I perform the way that I'm capable of, I'll make the team. So mm -hmm. I just kind of kept it like very internally focused of like, all I have to do is just show up and perform well on that day. And that's it. So that just made me feel a lot more calm than, than thinking, Oh, like I need David to mess up or I need Matt to mess up. Mm -hmm. Like I just kept it on me. I actually coach athletes on mindset and performance now. So I love digging into these things. So when you say like you built up your confidence, was it mostly just that you guys were always talking about like, hey, this is about you and your race kind of thing? Or like, what steps did you take to kind of build that confidence and know how to stay in that focus and not get distracted from all that? Oh, crap, I got to worry about this guy doing this. Or, you know, how do you how do you stay in your lane there, so to speak? I wouldn't say that it was like, that it was so explicit of like, hey, you're good enough to get this done. 
it was more so like it was like an engineering approach. So like like Dave Durden has his degree was in engineering. So he's Sounds very like you guys were a match made in heaven. Spreadsheets and engineering, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It works. It works out. My like my grandpa <laughs> writes math textbooks. My mom's a math professor. Like nice. yeah. So I yeah, I definitely lean like <laughs> math science. So it's more so like, okay, zero to fifteen, I think you could get better by a tenth by doing this. If you kind of build the tempo through the first 50, I think you could pick up a, a couple of tents here and there. So it was really just being so drilled into the race and how to execute that race and, and doing that far enough out that I felt like I had time to really practice the skills that I was going to need for that race strategy. Mm-hmm. I think that's what helps me ultimately build the confidence. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love everything that you just said, because this is what I'm like hammering into my athletes is you can't just show up to the meet and expect to be able to focus. Like you have to practice that focus leading up to it and you have to know what you're going to focus on. Right. So how do we let go of all the distractions? You know what to focus in on so that you can let the rest of that stuff go. And like, you just said it all. So athletes take some notes. Like he is giving you all the secrets right here. You know, they're not (laughs) super crazy secrets, but this is what helps you, you know, nail it in the end. So what like you're in there, you know exactly what to focus on to lay down your meat. Like you're at the blocks, like walk us through that first race where you make the team. Because I'll start at like the ready room. I mean, throughout the whole day, you're kind of nervous. So like you're mm-hmm. sitting around all day waiting for your race to come around at like 8 p.m. So there's a lot of thoughts that go on throughout the day and you're just kind of like managing distractions or managing emotions by distracting yourself. That's <laughs> why <Right. laughs> so, I said that completely opposite. Um, so the whole day is that. And then right behind the blocks, you're really, you're just trying to be aware of what's going on. Like just keeping your feet on the ground, mm-hmm. basically. So in the ready room behind the blocks, this room was, was very small. You have eight big dudes. And especially like you throw Grievers in there, who's like six, eight, very, very big dude. But like the room couldn't have been wider than like my wingspan. The ceiling was probably seven and a half feet. <laughs> oh and then it's just like this skinny long room. So like you're kind of like you're in it, like packed in really tight with your competitors. And you could, I mean, I think noise cancellation headphones have gotten better. Mm-hmm. But like I could hear the crowd through my headphones <laughs> in 2016. Yeah. So like that's a whole other added element. I can feel my heart like beating in my chest. So that was like that was like true adrenaline. And I really didn't know how to deal with that. Like you try to put yourself in situations to like practice pressure throughout mm-hmm. the year. But that was a time where it's like the pressure was a little bit more than what I'd practiced. So mm-hmm. I kind of just made a decision that I needed to feel like I wasn't taking the race out very fast, mm-hmm. just because my heart was beating so fast that I just kind of thought that would take me out. And luckily, that was the right call. So mm-hmm. yeah, so there's some things that you, you have to be aware enough to adjust. But yeah, so that was that was a good adjustment. But I mean, the rest of it, like once I was in the once I'm in the water, and and really, once I got through the first 25, I was able to get back to to the race strategy. That's awesome. And then you touch the wall, you look at the board, and you see that you are on the team. Like, what emotions are going through you in that moment? Uh, I mean, it, it's like an exhale. It's like, whoo! Like, <laughs> thank God that one went my way. Like, that's <laughs> that's great. Yeah, like, it's really cool. But like, but uh, really relief initially, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. It's just like there's so much there's so much anticipation for that moment. So. The first, like, that it turns out in your way, that is initially, like, good, you know, like, that was, that was a lot of work for it. And then you could just, like, get a little bit more, like, raw with it and and start to feel just like, oh, well, wow, that's, like, a huge confidence boost just in general. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
taking that with the level of excitement. And then also like, I feel like I've always had trouble just like celebrating in the moment. I'm always on to the next thing in some cases good, but in some cases not the best, but yeah, I mean, pretty soon after the race, I'm like, okay, like I got the 200 back in, in two days. So right. I got to get on my, I got to get on my recovery process to make sure that I'm able to do that race at a high level too. And and it did go well. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah it went great. Yeah. And, and I went into that one way less nervous <laughs> just because I had already had a performance to put me on the team. I knew that mm-hmm. I knew that I was swimming well. I just had way more confidence going behind the blocks with that one. I was able to just be more present in the race. I think my brain wasn't quite as sped up. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you make this team, you've got the relief, but the excitement, all those things, there's not a lot of turnaround and you're heading to Rio to compete at the Olympics, which you've been dreaming of and working toward for a while now. There's a little something different about your races because in the hundred back, <laughs> the USA has quite a history in that event. So would you like to kind of Tell us, because I want to know if this was pressure for you, if you didn't think about it, because what is our history with the 100 back? I'm sure you will explain it much better than I could. Yeah, I mean, the the U.S. has just always been really dominant at backstroke. So I think it was like going back all the way to to 1996, the U.S. had won gold. And I think it was both the 100 and 200 back. Wow. So, I mean, you could take it two ways. Like, I kind of took it as like, all right, at some point, (laughs) some way someone's going to lose this, you know, like it's, it's a huge streak and I'd love to love to win to keep that going. But also we've got two people in the race. So it was like David and I were, were both in the hundred back. So you can kind of like share that goal. And then the 200 back, it was myself and Jacob Pebley. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that helped us out before the meet is we were given a, a stack of letters from a lot of these people that had won in wow. that streak. And, and also a lot of people that, that had won earlier, like John neighbor was, was one of the people that wrote us a letter and I think he won in like 76 seventies. Yeah. And at that point they were like, the, these guys were writing to us. They're like, yeah, like we swept the podium. So you guys, there's no way you could be as good as us because <laughs> you're only allowed two in the event now. Right. So so it's like some, some people went like a funny route with it. Other people like Aaron Pearsall went like very deep. He wrote it out on a typewriter, like classic Pearsall form, like, and, and made it more of a, yeah, it's like, a, that was like a work of poetry. Like it's just very like cool perspective that he had on, on his career. And, and he wrote it really as like a, as like a career mentorship piece. Mm-hmm. I think that made us all just feel really good. Like these guys are like, they're fans, you know, like they're mm-hmm. fans of us, like, they're fans of the USA. They want to see us win because they're they're fans, not because they're going to be upset if for some reason it doesn't go in our direction. So we got getting a peek into the type of people that were a part of that streak and a, and a part of that legacy, I think, was was really great for us. That is really cool. I've never heard that. That is such a neat like thing they did. Man, so you felt actually like it sounds like you managed that kind of pressure really well. Yeah, it was always like you're like you're almost like inducted into the fraternity, you know, like you get all these like welcome letters, like welcome to the squad. Essentially, <laughs> you feel like you're just, you're part of the group. So That's yeah, that, cool. that made us feel great. That is very cool. So which event was first in Rio? Cause you, you executed <laughs> three for three and it was pretty amazing. So which event was first? Was it the hundred back? Hundred back was first. Yeah. And so walk us through it. Yeah. So hundred back, like very similar to trials where it's like, you know, it's, it really is a toss up in, in how that in how that race was going to go. You know, I'd say Mitch Larkin was definitely the favorite. He was the Australian guy. He had won Worlds the, the previous year. He was having a really good he was having a really good season. But I think it was 
similar to Olympic trials where it's like whether Mitch went you know, like 50.5 or two minutes, you know, like it, that's not going to impact how I swim. So there's nothing I could do about that. I was just kind of similar to the approach the whole year. Like watch the race video from trials thought, okay, like here's a place where, where I think I can maybe be a little bit better. Here's a place where I thought I did really well. Like, I thought I'd love to just bottle that up, do that again. And, and kind of had a plan for plan for the strategy and, and just had it, had it down to, for me, like I try to just have three cues, three cues going into a race more than that. Like, so more than that, I might forget. So yeah. uh, especially under pressure. So just have the three cues of, of what I want to do. I went into the race with that. Like I, I mean, I think it was really as simple as good posture off the start, attack the turn, no, no slowing down into the turn, good posture off the turn and hit the 75 and see what else is in there. So that's kind of the way I went through that. And you could see before race two, I, I love the ready room. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, they're like, oh, I don't like the ready rooms. I think the ready room is great because like all it does is just kind of put into perspective. Everyone in that room is nervous. So like you might be nervous, but like, sure. Yeah, like that's just the baseline of the room. That honestly gave me a lot of calm of like, yeah, I'm, I'm re- really very nervous right now, but like I could see that everyone else is too. So oh. who's got the advantage? I, no one. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Dude, that's a really good perspective and sometimes a hard one in the midst of the nerves, right? It's sometimes hard to like be aware of a surrounding like that and like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one nervous here. Like it seems so simple and basic, but when you're in that moment, it's sometimes hard to recognize that. Like that's huge. Did you walk out feeling pretty confident then? No, I I still walked out nervous, uh, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but I knew everyone else walked out the same. So yeah, yeah, I love your honesty. I just have to, I love it. This is great. Yeah. You never know how the first one's going to go. Like I thought I was in a good spot to perform well, but like I hadn't put everything out there in prelims and semis. So I knew I could be a little bit better than that. I just didn't know how good. So I think it was more like nerves of uncertainty than nerves of doubt. And so the swim, did you execute on all three of those cues you were thinking of? The swim went great. I actually went out. I kind of was trying to learn from trials too. I thought Mm -hmm. the adrenaline was really going to be like pumping again. And I would say I, I didn't have as much adrenaline going through me. Like I wasn't as nervous as I was at trials. I felt definitely more nervous at Olympic trials. So I took the race out pretty slow, relatively. Like I think I was out three tenths of a second slower than I was at Olympic trials. But then I came back 0.6 faster than I ever had. So I had a lot of gas at the end of the race. That's a feeling that I remember from that race. Like I felt like I hit a really good rhythm coming off the turn. I felt like I nailed those, those first couple of strokes. But then I got to the 75 mark and I was like, I feel pretty good. I think I can up the tempo from here. And so I was able to to hit another gear, the last 25, which is honestly very rare in a race. So so I just remember feeling pretty fresh towards the end. And yeah, that was that's great. It's great when you feel like you can you could really uh put the hammer down at the end. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What were the feelings when you realized that was a gold medal race? I think I let out a little like yell and a flex. So <laughs> nice. yes, I was I was pretty hyped. There's so many emotions in that moment. I think it's definitely like so many thoughts going on. Like, because the Olympics is the thing that when you're five years old, like you see that, like you can see, like I have some memories of watching the the 2000 Olympics when I was five. So it's like, you could remember those things. Yeah, like being able to achieve something that you had, you very like loose dreams of when you're young, like that's, that's a really cool thing to fulfill. And so I think it's first, it's like, hell yeah, like that happened. Like, let's go. Like, that's really cool. 
And I think really what, what helped me frame it, uh, because I feel like this is how my brain was going, is you go to the NBC area right after the race, and they were showing, I don't know why all the monitors were like pointed at us. But I could see like eight different angles from the race. Whoa. So it's like you're seeing like the actual race, you're seeing the underwater footage, you're seeing what the USA team section looks like. You're seeing what the USA warm down, like where we put our bags in, in the warm up pool. You see that. That's where my coaches were. They had a, a monitor that was my parents. That brings it home. It's like, yeah, there was the race going on. But like there's all of these monitors of people that helped you yeah. get to that point and, and had a piece in the success of that. I'm really thankful that I was able to get to that, that interview and like see all of that pretty quickly. Because I think it just really like it made that moment more special for me, just in terms of like an appreciation of of the effort from so many different people. That's really cool to recognize that in the moment like that. Now, was this like trials where you were like, OK, I, I did that. And now like you're calm for the rest of it. Or was it a totally different experience from trials for your other races? I mean, I was still like the first race. Of this, it's tough to really like let yourself feel it. I was again, like awesome, like really stoked. But I was, as I was going through like the full media zone, like I was, I was kind of getting antsy. Like I got, I want to go warm down. I want to get ready for, for this 200 back. Yeah. So I think I've always been someone like I want it all. Like I want to do well in everything I'm doing. And so that was definitely the, the thought process after 100 back was that that happened. I'll do great in the medal ceremony. I'm going to love that. But like in the interim, I got to get ready for 200 back. And so how did the 200 and then the relay go down? I mean, again, on paper, it looks beautiful. Like, was it smooth sailing? Were there still nerves? Like, what was going through you in, in those events? 200 back is a different feeling just because it's, that's a pain race. My preparation is really putting myself in a, in a space to, to experience and, and push through pain. I'm being like, almost like a little dark, but like, that's kind of like, that is kind of my mentality for the 200 back. Like, it's a little bit like, like Rocky mode prepping. So uh, that's kind of like how I was feeling beforehand. And when I got on the race, it, it went really well. I knew, what I, I knew the race strategy I wanted to do. I feel like I nailed it. That was a really well-executed race. And it was, that one was a battle. Like that was a really close race down to the finish. So I was definitely digging deep the last 50 to get to the wall. Like I remember in that one at the 175 mark. So I have a 25 left at like 15 seconds. I was looking up and I was like, the guy, the Australian guy was to my right. And like, I'm just kind of like, I'm like peeking over there. I'm like, like, dang, like he's right there. Like, I, like, where is this wall? Like I was desperate for the wall to, to come sooner. That one was, was a great race. It was great that I, that I was able to pull out a win. It was very painful. <laughs> so, worth it. Worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, oh, it's always worth it. Like, mm-hmm. like, I've, yeah, in training and a meet, I've never gotten out and been like, you know what? Like I shouldn't have pushed myself so hard. But like I've never, I've never had that feeling. So yeah, like it definitely hurts in the moment, but no, no regrets on the, uh, on the pain level. Nice. And then, <laughs> and then the relay was really, so like, I'll, I'll tell a story from like two days before the relay. So I was sitting in the the dining hall and, and Cody Miller was already sitting down. He, or he was our breast choker on that relay. Mm-hmm. And, and like, we both knew we were going to be, we were going to be on finals. And he was like, so this is going to be Phelps's last race ever. We cannot mess this up for Michael. It's <laughs> so, so Cody's Cody says that, and he was like, "Are you are you nervous?" And I'm like, "Well, like I am now. Like <laughs> just threw that one out there." 
so that one was really like, I mean, I think that was just special for that was special for everyone. Like we knew that was Michael's, that was going to be the last race of his career. So that was, you know, like the, to have the, the icon of your sport mm-hmm. swimming with you in his last race, like that's really special. So that definitely added a, an additional level of urgency for me, like that I really wanted to, cause it backstroke goes first. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to to give us a lead and, you know, make the, hope we just make the job easier for for everyone else so and we had the brazilians in our heat so that was that was great because the brazilian crowd like it was like a it was like a soccer yeah it's just crazy right yeah like they're like chanting like we were we ended up standing behind the blocks for like it felt like close to three minutes like like geez like can we get this to settle down uh (laughs) so so it was it was awesome like that that was some great energy and and i think i felt that so yeah, so I I went through that race and compared to the individual hundred back, I thought I think I could I could take it out a little bit faster, and I don't think I don't think I'd be giving anything up on on the back end. Mm-hmm. So I took it out I took it out a little bit faster. Yeah, I mean I was you know the last probably like five to ten strokes I was definitely hurting a little bit, but got to the wall I touched and and I set the world record on the leadoff. Wow. So so that was like that's cool. And I think that's, I think that's very fitting. Like that was a very fitting way for it to happen. Like I've, like, as I was saying earlier, I, I really do feel like I'm a, I'm a product of, of some of the people I've been around and the people that have helped me. So like setting a world record in a relay, I think that's, that's just really cool. And so for me, it was like, like, I'm not going to celebrate super hard, like while the race is going on. So I was like quick little, like fist pump to myself um, <laughs> and then like get out and like start cheering because yeah. the race is still going on. And so like everyone does their job. Cody goes, does his job. Phelps does his job. Nathan jumps in and just kind of like buries the field in, in the first 50 and, and, and he kind of swims solo coming home. So like he gets, he gets a little bit of like a, of a victory lap to close it out. So we win that one. And yeah, that was just so cool. And like the end of the meet, the end of the meet is when you like really feel the emotions. Cause you're, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing like you don't have to feel good the next day. Right. So you could just like totally relax, feel the emotions and really just appreciate, like appreciate that moment. Mm-hmm. So that one was, was really cool to, to be a part of. That's so cool. So was there ever any pressure from like Michael or the coaches or was it just you guys going, we've got to live up to this for this legendary moment? <laughs> like, Was it more you guys? It was us. I think like the coaches are very well aware of the personalities on that relay. Like they, they knew that like, I, I didn't need any, any more uh fire to mm. to go out and perform in that relay like i was i was ready to do that same thing with cody and then like nathan's the nathan's the ultimate professional like you know he's always going to be ready so yeah. yeah so no nothing like nothing additional it was really and, and michael and michael was great too like i think michael was really trying to downplay it for us like he mm-hmm. he was kind of like look like all of you guys earned the spot to be on this relay like you you've all performed really well throughout this meet so just go out and do what you do and we'll get the job done. He kept it really chill. That's so cool. So how do you go like, and this is something we've had, we've discussed a lot on this podcast. I've had a lot of Olympians on because a lot of people, I mean, you're on the highest of highs after, you know, executing something you have given everything to, and then it's over. So, you know, some people go through this kind of bout of like mini depression after that. Like, did you deal with that at all? But you, I know you also went right back into school in another collegiate season, which 
feels crazy to me, you know? So like walk us through that time. Like, was there burnout? Was there any depression or did you just keep on going? Like, how did you do this? I think it's like definitely hard to, to feel like excitement towards the sport for a little bit. So I definitely erred on the side of like burnout, but nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'm like fortunate in the sense that like I was all good in, in terms of like major mental health. So I, and I think that part of that is, is I was going back to school. So you go from the Olympics and you go to living in a house with four of your best friends. And that was such a fun time. Like we had, we had a blast because everyone felt a part of the success too. So I think mm-hmm. that's like, that's a testament to the culture that David built at Cal too, of like my roommates felt like they helped me to have those performances. And I loved that. Like that was, that was awesome, but they were so pumped. Yes. Yeah, so we just, we just had an awesome time. Like, and we knew that that was our last year of school. Like that was the last time we were all going to live together. So we just, yeah, we, we definitely made the most of it. That's so smart. I love the way you guys just, you set yourself up for success on the backside, like not just in the sport, but for life beyond that, which I think is really important because we get so as elite athletes, hyper-focused on our performance and our identity gets really wrapped up in that. So to know that like, you have this life and these people and the support system outside of that, you know, even though it might be connected to your sport, I think is really important for people to take a note of and, and think about that in your preparations for these huge events. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And I, I think really like, like my outlook on it was really like, there was so much that went into, to having those performances. And like, luckily for me, it worked out. I could just take a lot of confidence of like, really, you know, one of the first things that I ever just like, fully put my mind to, I was all in, worked out in a great way. And so like, maybe a little bit of like, naivety, but like, I took that as like, if I can really put my mind towards something again, it's going to work out. So I just took it as like a really good, like confidence builder more than anything else. That's awesome. Well, so you finish up school, you have this epic last year with all your friends finishing out school, finishing out your collegiate season. And it goes great. And then you turn pro. How does life change going from college and Olympics and and all this to now professional swimming is your life and you're gearing up for another Olympics? Like how different was the road from Rio to Tokyo? And we've got COVID in there too. Then from like, you know, London to to Rio or the the trials to Rio. Uh, Very different. Very different. No, it's because we like I train with a with a college team. Mm -hmm. So like when you're when you're college aged, that's your group. You know, like as I continue to get older, the people that I train with stay the same age. <laughs> so do you so, feel like you stay the same age? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, yeah. Like I, I think the you're always gonna find like you're gonna find a way to connect with people. So yeah. like, yeah, it's it's easy to just stay like in that level of like joy for life. I feel mm. like 18 and 22 year olds, they're just like fired up about life. And so that's <laughs> that's cool to be around. But like very different in terms of like the way that I'm gonna do things is a little bit different than than the way that they do. And I think mm-hmm. I went the path of really trying to just do everything at at an exceptional level going into 2021. So like, you know, where I think before 2016, I was probably just more, I just deferred more to the coaches. Like what the coaches told me to do, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like 2021, like it definitely took a lot more ownership of how I was going to do things mm-hmm. in the pool. They were writing all the practices, all that. But like outside of the pool, like I was, you know, like I figured out what I wanted to do nutrition wise how I was going to approach like seeing a physical therapist and and massage. And yeah, so I just, I, I felt like I had more of my arms around it leading mm-hmm. into leading into the second Olympics. So how did COVID affect you? Were you like geared up and ready for 2020? 
because some people, it seems to be one of two ways. It was either a huge hard hit or it was a huge gift and, you know, it wasn't a problem at all. I mean, I was definitely bummed. Like, I was definitely bummed when, when 2021 or when 2020 was postponed. Mm-hmm. I think at the same time, like, you know, it felt like there was such rapid change every day just in like life in general. By the time the Olympics were postponed, it's like, yeah, like this is going to happen today or tomorrow. You know, it's just like that's the way things were going. So I didn't feel like the ground was pulled out. That was kind of like a gradual decision. So yeah, definitely a bummer though. Like I was, I was ready to rock in, in 2020. And and at the same time, like, like I was sitting there and it's like, all right, like I was, I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready to go now in March of 2020. And like, I'll be ready to go at that time. They didn't, they hadn't picked a date for 2021. So I was kind of like, well, you know, like whenever this thing is, I'm going to be ready for it. I'm not going to miss that. I'm not going to like miss that opportunity. That was my mindset of like, it's kind of like a sit and wait, like pretty unprecedented situation. And then for 2021, like, yeah, obviously, like, obviously challenging year, like there were just so many added things to life when COVID was was at that stage. So yeah, you just kind of have to do more things like you Mm -hmm. just have to go like you do the twice weekly COVID zest, like you're being really aware of, of who you're hanging out with. But that just kind of felt like that was that's what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And then on the training side, like I took it as like, all right, like I've now got like a 14 month season. Mm-hmm. Like once they decided what the date was, I could go get in really, really good shape. And I did. Like I, I felt like I got in really good shape. <laughs> that was probably the first time where I was like, all right, yeah, I might have pushed this a little too hard <laughs> and needed to probably should have in retrospect, like taking my foot off the gas a little bit earlier in terms of the training. Mm-hmm. But like I didn't have any regrets of how I approached it. Like I I wanted to push myself really hard. Uh, yeah. and, and that's how it that's how it turned out. What were trials and Olympics like with Tokyo? Because there was no audience really either. I don't know if there were, were for trials. Our trials were kind of limited, but I don't know about your trials. But in Tokyo, there were no fans in the crowd. So was it did it feel drastically different? Or were you just like, I know this is going to be the situation. So you are focusing on those things you need to focus on, or how did that play out for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so our trials were 50% capacity. So like you there is some there was some like crowd energy. So that actually, I mean, that felt relatively normal. And then the Olympics, yeah, I mean, there was just not, there was just not much outside energy. So we talked about that as a team. It's like, all right, like, yeah, these, you know, the nerves are probably going to feel a little bit less. And they, and they did mm-hmm. just because you just take out the element of like being the spotlight of attention. Mm-hmm. So it really just feels more like a, just a regular swim meet. I mean, I think for like a lot of people, that's like very comforting for me. Like I really enjoy the, like the energy from a crowd. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much looking forward to something like next summer, like knock on wood, hopefully that, hopefully that happens. I mean, the Olympics will happen. Hopefully, yes. hopefully I make the Olympics that yes. are going to happen. We hope so too. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm like really looking forward to to having a, a big crowd there. So, but like you make the most of, of any situation. So like we we definitely went into like the USA team. We went into Tokyo. We made the most of the situation. I think we had great team energy. We did it about as well as you could have. And and how did you feel about your performance there? I thought it was good. I mean, I thought it was good, not great. Yeah. So in comparing the two, Rio, I thought it was just like, yeah, like that was a pretty good storm. So a lot of things went right. In Tokyo, that was more in line with like my like range of expectation for myself. I felt very confident that I could do those performances, like go mm-hmm. those times. And I did. So there was less like surprise from my side. 
and I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting going through the Olympics because it's just like, you know, like you look at these races are decided by a 10th, sometimes less than a 10th. And like some people are, some people are like ride or die on that, on those hundreds mm-hmm. of a second or a 10th. And I don't necessarily think that's a super healthy way to go. Yeah. So I was, my thought is like, okay, yeah. The goal for me is, is always very simple. Like I, I like to win at the same time. Like if I'm second in the world or, or third in the world, like that's something to be really proud of. That's kind of how I was like, obviously maybe more excited if I win, but, uh, I'm not beating myself up over second and third. Like I, I approached the season the way I wanted to and, and that's how it turned out. So yeah, you just mm-hmm. kind of, you take it and you keep on rolling. <laughs> I like I like that. No, I, I think that's a really healthy way to look at it. I wish more people would look at it in that way. What did you decide to do after Tokyo? Did you know you were going to go another three years on to Paris? Because it's like a much smaller gap. Or were you kind of like debating whether to keep going? I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to keep on going. But I think at the same time, I, I knew that I wanted to... I mean, I just wanted to start like develop, de- developing myself outside of the pool a little bit more. I'd say like the biggest pro of making the Olympics is that you can get a response to your email. Like people, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. It's like people are interested in, in talking to successful people between 2016 and, and 2021. Like I felt like I was, I took that pro as a way to talk to like really great nutritionists, talk to like sweet doctors, like get everything dialed in related to performance, where I think after 2021, I've taken that as a way to now be in a position to to open up a swim school, open up a business in in my hometown. So that's something that that I'm really excited about. And, and I think that's a great project because now I know something that I'm going to be doing whenever I decide to retire. It's very manageable for me to do it and continue to swim as well. And then, and then I've really just like, I've really met a lot of people in in the Bay Area. So I'm, so I'm still training out of Cal. Cal's just situated in like the center of Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. So there's there's so many different people who are who are running investment funds. So I've I got involved with with an investment fund that is purely funding companies with a Cal co-founder, whether that's a Cal student or a Cal professor. And so that's cool. Like that's an opportunity for me to to be around really excited people that want to create a company that can change the world. That's something that gets me really excited. I take that excitement into the pool. So I think I've done a nice job of, of continuing to keep my brain active. I mean, I, I've always been someone I really did enjoy school. I like learning new things. Like I constantly want to be learning new things. If I didn't have like some direction or, or something outside of swimming to learn, I think I'd just constantly be spinning my wheels on swimming, which is, which is tough to do. I feel really great about the balance I've had since 2021. I got married this year too, which, Congratulations. Was, which was incredible. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. So I've continued to grow up. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's been fun. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I think that's really healthy. I love that you're building a swim school that you could do while you're swimming or as you retire, like you could do that either way. I think that's a great balance and who better to do it than you. That's awesome. Is that going to be in California or is that going to be back in Florida? That's in Florida. So my parents are still living in Florida in the near term. Mm-hmm. They can be like, and we're not general managers. Like you hire a general manager to to run most of the day-to-day operations. But in in right now, we're building the school. That's been a bit of a process because we have to set up all of the work for that. I don't need to get into like all the details. But yeah, it's it's in my hometown and 
I think that's great. There's so much water in Florida. There's such a need for learn to swim and just for getting safety, kids. Right? Yeah. But yeah. First and foremost, safety. And then who knows, like if it, if it turns out that these kids really like swimming and they want to take it to the next level, like I think I'm in a good position to help mentor there. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think it, it's going to be cool to be running a, a mission-based business. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you have a mission, there's like, there's purpose in it, right? So you're a little more driven to like follow through and pursue that. I love it. I do have to ask one question. So we talked about the pressure going into Rio, trying to, you know, uphold this like backstroke legendary, like five now, then six Olympics that we won. And then Tokyo didn't go quite how you wanted. What was that like? Was there any negative to that? Any did you feel anything from that? Or was it kind of like, well, okay, I mean, I'm third. That's still great. I love, like you said, you know, that was still really good. But like, was there any backlash feeling from it or no? No, because again, like I I've been always been of the mindset of like the people that are in the club, like the people that are like a part of that, I've continued to get to know them on on a personal level. I feel like I have great relationships with. I mean, really all of those guys. So like, obviously I want to win, but I more so want to win just because of like raw competitiveness, not because I'm trying to like satisfy a streak. But yeah. Those guys are all awesome. And I would <laughs> say like, they all, I talked to all of them after the Olympics too. And we never even talked about the streak. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's just, there's just really quality people in the sport and that. I really do appreciate that. That's awesome. I think this is just really important for especially some of the young listeners to hear because a lot of people put so much pressure on themselves. Sometimes it's from outside factors. Sometimes it's what we assume people expect from us. But the expectation, like even when when we see amazing people not quite do what people think they're going to do or not quite live up to what they want to do, like doesn't mean they're suddenly terrible athletes or terrible people like a bronze medal at the Olympics is a bronze medal at the Olympics. Like that's amazing. You know what I mean? Like some people would get anything for that. And so I think just putting this healthy perspective on it, I think is really good for the up and coming athletes to hear, to know that like what it's like to be under pressure and what it's like to be on the other side of that. Like how did it didn't go as we wanted? So how did I handle it? And you handled it beautifully. I think everybody can learn from that. So how do you go? You have done it all. You've been on every side of this. You've got six Olympic medals, four gold medals. You're swimming professionally. You're married. Like you've got a swim school in the works. You're doing all these awesome things. You're going into another, hopefully, Olympic Games in Paris 2024. Like that's what we're looking at right now. How do you feel? How do you set your mind up for this Olympics? How is it different? How is it the same? Oh, that's that's loaded. You're welcome. <laughs> I feel I feel great about where I'm at right now. I thought last year was was a really great training year. And I think that set me up to, to have really good training in this fall. Uh, I think I'm I'm really good at now, like seeing the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my goal this year is to make the Olympics and compete for wins. At the same time, like my goal for the month of December is to continue to build capacity. So like just continue to get better fitness. That is working towards the goal of having a great performance over the summer. But like that's definitely not what I'm thinking about every day. I'm really just trying to maximize the day. So I feel really good about that. So I feel really good about the mental side, to mm-hmm. be honest. I feel like I've, I've had a, a really healthy perspective on really like I've been very motivated every day. So I feel really great about that. I've just gotten, I've gotten pretty quick at framing things. So like on a topic of expectations, if you see someone or like, oh, like, like you've got to do this or you got to do that. And it's like, you start thinking about the who's setting those expectations. It's like, all right, like, are you watching 
the practices every every day? <laughs> Are you like with me if I'm making like a vegetable smoothie and and like doing all these <laughs> things to try to have like great performances? And the answer is no. So it's like that. There's just like that's just a little bit. That's a narrative. That's not necessarily true. So I think I have a really healthy perspective on that. Yeah, and I know how I want to improve. Yeah, I feel good about the way that the season been going so far. I feel good about my goals, and I feel good about like the balance and and healthy perspective too. That's awesome. Are you going to World Championships coming up? No, no, no. I'm not going to the World Championships in in February. Okay, because we're already resting, like leading up, or you're just don't want to rest, and you're just on your training program. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, just the way that I feel like I need to approach it. There are so many different ways to approach this. Yeah, but like the plan that I'm most excited about, like I, I feel like I got to be, I have to be training in that time frame. Yeah. So that's a decision I made. I get it. I left a scholarship to go home and train. So I mean, yeah, we. It's okay to make a decision that's not like the person next to you because you have to do what's best for you. And I love exactly. the way the way you keep breaking down. Like, okay, let's break this down to its basics. Like, what's really going on here? Where is this coming from? Um, you have such a good head on your shoulders. You built another super fan in me right here. We will be cheering you on. Where can we <laughs> cheer you on online leading up to Paris? Yeah, so I'm on. I'm on all of the social media. So my handles. Ryan Murphy is a very popular name. So <laughs> my handles are uh, Ryan underscore F underscore Murphy. Uh, I have a website, ryanmurphy.com. Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be posting things. I should probably give more information to people on my social media. I'll give you guys updates as I'm going throughout the year. Yeah, but just know that I'm, I'm grinding at this and, and, and I'm really excited to make another push. Yeah, well, you keep grinding. That's more important than the social media, but we will follow you and cheer you on. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today and just inspiring us. Awesome. I love it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.